Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Good morning. How are we all doing? So I am apparently Mother Michelle. There you go. I quite like that. Um, I'm a huge fan of Mother Teresa, so if it means I'm any even like a smidgen like Mother Teresa, I'm going to take that. That's my new title from now on. Um, my husband and I, Jason and myself, we pastor Vineyard Church in Gannon and a church plant Vineyard Church Markerfelt as well. Um, it's just so lovely to be here. You guys, this church just feels like family. We have been journeying with Andy and Dana as friends for a long, long time. We, we met a a very cocky 21-year-old Andy Masters in New York um, years ago. And we met Dana at that conference too, um, very briefly, but that was the beginning of our friendship. Um, so we cheer you on a lot. Anytime we get invited to come, even if it's just for like a cup of coffee or hang out, we just, we, we come because we just love you guys here. Um, and I'm a wee bit worried that James and Chris think I'm like their mummy because yeah, those boys. They're great. I love them to bits. Now they've got wives. It's brilliant. I don't feel as responsible for them. It's absolutely fantastic. <clears throat> so I, we were here actually a couple of weeks ago. Jason and I had um, a couple of Sundays off. And one of the things about when you're pastors is that a lot of your friends, we've been pastoring now for almost 18 years, a lot of your friends are also pastors. You know, you kind of, do you ever find that? And like you end up like becoming really good friends with people who do similar jobs or you, whatever, you hang out together. You cried each other, all those sorts of things. And um, yeah, so we were here. So one of the things is you don't get to go and hear your friends or hang out at their churches or see what's happening because you're all working on a Sunday. So um, we were off the other week. And one of the things that we love to do, um, Jason and I really love the church, the whole church. We just love her. We, every shape and shade and part of her, um, it's something that God has really, really burdened us with. So even when we're on holidays, like we'll go, we'll go to church and not understand a word of the service, <laughs> but we'll just sit there in the presence of God with the family of God, with our brothers and sisters, and just drink it in. So um, when we were off, we came here the other Sunday, and we got to hear Stu uh, preaching from 1 John 4. It was a powerful, powerful talk. And do you ever be one of those talks where you just know that the Lord, it's like, I just kept looking at Stu thinking, well, I don't know whether this is for anyone else in this room or any of these other services, but this is totally for me. I felt like Stu had written the talk just for me. And I was meant to be here on that day to listen to it. Um, and he was just talking about how do we love each other? How do we love each other and love one another in the middle of this funny thing that we find ourselves in? I mean, what do we even call it anymore? We're kind of mid-COVID, are we? We're post-lockdowns, but if you listen to the news, it's almost like we're, well, I'm not even going to say we're heading towards another one. I can't do that. Um, whatever, whatever our current circumstances look like that we find ourselves in, how do we love one another? How do we reach out beyond ourselves? How do we do that? How do we go beyond where we found ourselves in the last almost two years now, which is really scary, isn't it? To how do we keep moving forward into our futures together? as the church of Jesus Christ. And there was this one line that he said, and it was like the Lord branded it on my heart. And he said, how do we begin to live open, brokenhearted? 
And I it was like the Lord just branded that on me. And since then, that's about four weeks ago, I've just been thinking about this and I've been pondering it and I've been chewing it over. And I've been like, Lord, how do I do that? Like, how do I do that? How do I begin to do that? I know what it's like to live open. And I know how to live with a broken heart because if you're human and you've been alive any length of time, we've all had our hearts broken one way or another, whether it's through grief, through losing someone we love, whether it is through disappointment, whether it's through being abandoned, whether it's through being let down by people, whether it's where someone has cruelly just went against us, whatever the circumstances, we all know if you're human, you know what it is to be brokenhearted. But how do we do both? How do we live open, brokenhearted? And I sat with Jesus the other day, trying to work this out. So this is a work in progress, guys, okay? I am not here to tell you exactly how to do this. You are getting a glimpse into my process, all right? This is a live thing for me. This is what I'm working through. This is what I'm literally, on a daily basis, going to the Lord with. My normal pattern in my life up to now, this is how I've dealt with the hard, difficult things of life. The disappointments, the challenges. You know those things that come along and literally it's like you've been hit by a bus. Anyone experienced those sort of things? Come on. Hands up. You can respond to me. You can also heckle me. I may ignore you though if you really start heckling cheeky things. No cheeky heckling, just ordinary heckling. Feel free to shout out and interact with me. Um, but you know that sort of, those things come and it just literally, they come out of the blue at you and you didn't see them coming. And, and often I do think, and, and I sense for this service in particular, there's an area, for some of you, it's about grief. It's the grief of losing someone in your life that you've loved with your whole heart. And when those things happen, it is like we've been hit by a bus. It's like the whole, it's not even just the rug has been pulled under you. It's like you, you literally go from one day your life is one way and the next day it's like, I don't even know or recognize anything. That kind of a thing. When I had a crisis, this is what I do. I par through it. Any other par throughers in the room? Par through the crisis. Then I eventually collapse in a heap either physically or emotionally. Usually, if you see me with cold sores, you can tell I've just came through a crisis. That's how it manifests itself in me physically. Um, emotionally, I'll be a wreck. I'll probably be crying. Um, and then I retreat to Jesus, and I, and I stay with him until he heals me. I remember years ago, early into ministry, um, there was a, we had a vineyard staff day for all the vineyards, and there was someone there, um, a guy... Gatlin, forget his first name. Anyway, he was talking to us and he just said about, for him and his wife, what they do is when things come against them, whenever they've gone through a hard time, they just go to Jesus and they just like, they'll they just go before Jesus and say, Jesus, we're not going to get up until you heal us. And I remember listening to that and going, that is a good strategy. I am taking that on. And that's my, that's my go-to strategy. I'm just like, Jesus, I'm staying here until you heal me. And that's a good thing. That's a good part of my strategy, all right? That's the good part of the strategy. And then I would eventually open myself up again. Eventually I would be like, okay, I'm going to open myself up to people again. I'm going to allow myself to live an open life. Or you could say it like this, head down, fall down, batten down, and then stand down. 
And I can't say that I recommend this strategy, to be honest. I can't even say that it's really served me well, but that has been my pattern. But I think that we've, we've woken up in this world that we're in now where, to be honest, the things that worked before aren't working anymore. Anyone else identify with that? The strategies that you've had in your life just aren't working anymore. We are living in this mid-COVID, post-lockdown, disorientated, polarized world that we find ourselves in. And it just feels like that everything, even everything that once worked just doesn't work anymore. Like the polarization, and I think Stu talked about that that day I was here, I've never lived in a more polarized time, have you? Politics, um, even people's faith, what people believe about Jesus. I mean, I, I used to be on Twitter. I've left Twitter. I was only on Twitter, total confession. The only reason I was on Twitter is because I thought it was cool. Everybody talked about Twitter, Twitter this, Twitter that. I thought, I'm going to give Twitter a go. Oh my goodness, it just made me annoyed. I would go on it and then I would find myself getting really passionately annoyed about things that I never knew about before. I'd be like, I am angry about this. I need to post some things. I need to do some hashtags. I need to get involved. And then I would sort of catch myself on and go, Michelle, really, do you need that in your life? So I've left Twitter. I don't think Twitter has noticed, to be honest. I don't like the Twitter world. I never really posted anything very much. I retweeted a lot, but didn't actually post anything of any worth. Twitter can survive without me. But I think that, in a way, Twitter gives us an, a glimpse into this polarization. It just feels so hard right now to hear one another and to actually hold space for differences. Have you noticed that? To hold a space where we can honestly, lovingly disagree. Where we can just say, you know what, we, we, we don't see eye to eye in this, but we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't see eye to eye in this. Can we find a way forward? Can we, can we go beyond? And, and I mean, in our house, all my boys have been home this weekend. Um, my eldest, Caleb, is 24. Micah is 22. And Maddie is 21. And we, I don't know how it happened, but we have really opinionated boys. I don't know where they got it from at all. Like, if you met my husband and met me, like, I mean, I don't know where they came from. Yeah, you would know. But, I mean, like, we, 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 like, disagree on so many things. See, trying to pick a movie in our house is not a good thing. Like, we can't, we can't decide on anything. What we're going to eat turns into a whole debate. Um, but this polarized world isn't working for us. It's not working. So how do we find a way in the midst of where we're broken, in the midst of where things are hard, how do we live with this open, broken-hearted way that, that Jesus, I feel, is inviting me into? And because I'm here speaking to you, I sense very often what God is speaking to me, he wants me to share with others. So how do we do it? How do we do it? And for me, there's no better person than Jesus. He is the Sunday school answer, but actually, it's right. You see, all we need is Jesus. That's all we need. And I know that sounds so simple in this complex world. But if we could just grasp who he is, if we could see him more clearly, if we could follow him 
more diligently. He is all we need. Jesus stepped into our humanity. John 1.14 tells us that Jesus took on our flesh. He, he didn't just become like us, he became one of us. And in doing so, he experienced the whole remit of life. Jesus was born a helpless baby, dependent on his mother to feed and care for him. He grew up among his peers. He grew up in family. He grew up among his neighbors. Now, we, we hear those things and we think, oh, yes, Jesus, great. But could, you know, can you imagine? I want you to think of yourself at different stages of your life. What was your life like as a young child? What, were you, what was it like when you were a teenager growing up among your peers and you know, people were falling out of with each other and in with each other and family gatherings? Like, how many of you are already starting to like, get a wee bit of a, a rash thinking about Christmas? about all the whole complexity of having family members all together and how that all works out and all that. Jesus would have experienced all of that. All the relational things that we experience, all the hardships of that, all the disappointments of that, all the letdowns. Jesus experienced all of it and yet he did not sin. Wow. Never mind the rest of his ministry. He did family and friendships without sinning. How do you do that? How do you do that? You see, we get, a, we get a good account of Jesus' life from, he was 30, from his ministry began. But before that, we don't get a big bit of an account of his life. But we can know, because he was human, like us, that he would have been brokenhearted. There's no way you can escape being human and not be brokenhearted. And we see these interactions of Jesus and his ministry. And often as I read the Gospels, sometimes what I notice more now, maybe it's because I'm getting older, but is I notice how Jesus is with people. More than what he does, it's how he is. Like, this is, I'm going off paste here. Anyway, I'll try and bring myself back in. But one of the things with Jesus that overwhelms me is how he interacts with women. Like, in that time and in that context, it was completely overwhelming how Jesus treated women, how he saw them. Even that he saw them was completely revolutionary. So I want to give us this morning two examples of how, through the life of Jesus, our best example for being human, how we can live open, brokenhearted. And the first one is grieving. We find a grieving Jesus and we find him broken, open, open, brokenhearted. Herod had a birthday party, King Herod. And in his vanity, he promised the dancer anything she wanted. And her mother told her to ask for John the Baptist's head. So Matthew 14, if you want to turn to it for with me, 9 to 16. Says this, the king was distressed because of his oaths and his dinner guests. He ordered that her request be granted. And a John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a dish and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. 
As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Here we see Jesus. He's just been told that his cousin John has been beheaded. This is his cousin. Do you remember I talked about the, the family gatherings and the growing up and all of those things? John was part of Jesus' life from before the Jordan. You know, we, we, we see that. We remember that whenever John the Baptist was born away back in the, the Christmas stories, and then all of a sudden John's back again at the river. But in between those years, I have no doubt that they would have had interactions and times whenever they'd known each other. And Jesus finds out that his cousin is dead. And he withdraws to a solitary place. And we know from reading the Gospels that this was Jesus' practice. He regularly withdrew so that he could be with the Father. So he goes with his broken heart to the Father. You see, it's not wrong to withdraw. It's not wrong to withdraw and go to the Father, to go to Jesus and be healed, to catch your breath. But what we see next in Jesus is powerful. The crowds followed him. I would have hidden right? I'll be honest. I would have hidden. If I was in that place of Jesus, I would have found a cave. I'd have found something, but I would have hidden. There's no way I would have been stepping out in that moment of grief, in that moment of brokenheartedness, in that moment of disorientation. I would have hidden, and I just thought, God, I'm just going to stay here with you for a wee while longer, and you could send someone else to go and deal with those people, because I can't do it right now. But instead... We see this capacity for compassion like nothing we could ever imagine. And there's this key in the relationship that Jesus has with the Father. It's this utter dependence on the Father and the Holy Spirit that made Jesus be able to live this human life. He was fully human and fully God. But in these moments of undrawn with being compassionate, he is fully human. It's his humanness. He is being fully human like you and I. He is pouring out of himself compassion for people around them. He withdrew to be with the Father, but he immediately re-engaged. It's like left foot and withdrawn right foot and back out again. And he noticed their circumstances. He healed the sick. And then he looks around him and he goes a step further. He's saying, right lads, these people need fed. They're hungry. It's like he doesn't just see their spiritual needs. He just doesn't see the big miraculous needs. He goes, these people are hungry. We need to feed them. Straight after feeding the 5,000, straight after the grief of John, straight after the miracle, straight after the feeding the 5,000, Jesus tells the disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake and I'll meet you there. He goes up a mountain and he begins to pray and be with the Father again. He realizes that there's a wind against the boat and he walks out on the water across the lake. He's passing by the boat and they see him and they think he's a ghost. Don't judge them. I mean, if you were in a boat in the middle of the night in a lake and you saw something out in the water, would you not think it was a ghost as well? And Peter realizes this Jesus and he calls out to him and he says, I want to come join you. I love the courage of Peter. Like, he is a bit of an Egypt, right, isn't he? Like, I mean, he is. It's okay, we can say that about Peter. Um, but like, one minute he's like, and the next minute he's like, oh. Anyway, 
He's on the water. He steps out of the boat. But who would step out of that boat? Hands up who would actually step out of that boat. There was one wee fella in the first service and I loved his, I loved, I loved it. He's like, I was like, I love you. I'm going to call him Peter from now on. He was like, I'm going to do it. Like, no chance looking down at, this, at the water and the waves and the wind and think, I'm going to do that. He does that. And whenever Peter and Jesus get back in the boat, the disciples, they look and they go, oh, truly you are the son of God. I want you to fast forward up to the night that Jesus is captured in the garden. The night that he asked his closest friends to keep watch while he prayed in agony to his father and they fell asleep. The same night that when the soldiers came to capture him, Judas, one of his 12, betrayed him with a kiss. The same night that they, they were scattered, all his disciples were scattered, afraid for their lives. That same night we find Peter again, Peter, in a courtyard. At least he's trying to be closer to where Jesus is. At least he's trying to keep an eye of what's happening. But we find him and we hear him deny Jesus three times. And on the third denial, the rooster crowed and Peter remembers the prophecy Jesus had. And he goes away full of shame for denying his Lord, for abandoning him. The next day, Jesus is brutally crucified, murdered by the humanity he came to save. And we find a betrayed Jesus who is open, broken hearted. John 21, we find Peter and Jesus again. And Jesus has made the disciples, he's made them breakfast on the lakeside. And when they had finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he answered, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he answered, yes, you know I love you. Jesus told him, shepherd my sheep. Jesus asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was deeply hurt that Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And after he had said this, he told him, follow me. I can't imagine what Jesus suffered, physically, emotionally, and mentally, in those hours from his arrest to his last breath. I can't imagine it. But after his resurrection, where do we find Jesus? We find Jesus on the lakeside, making breakfast for his closest friends. Days after they had abandoned him, rejected him, doubted him, he seeks them out. He makes the first move to restore the relationship. He forgives. He restores Peter. I love this interaction between Jesus and Peter. He just doesn't give him one opportunity. He gives him three to mirror the three times that he rejected him. And he reminds him of his calling. Jesus shows us how to live. It's not about hiding away. It's not about closing ourselves in until we're ready to go again. Jesus goes and goes even still brokenhearted. In our brokenheartedness, in our pain, in your disappointment, we, are, we need to find a way in our everyday brokenheartedness to live like Jesus, to show kindness, to extend mercy, to forgive, to be generous, to go beyond ourselves. This is the way of Jesus. 
It's not the wait till we're okay and then we're going to go again. It's in the middle of it, in the middle of our brokenness. We reach beyond ourselves and we follow the ways of Jesus. We follow his example and our healing will come as we go. This new time needs new ways. Can I invite the band up just as we lean into ministry time? Maybe for you this morning, maybe it's old scars that are still tender that are causing you to put the walls up. One of the things about the past almost two years is it's become more comfortable to just be ourselves, isn't it? I don't know about you, but it's become way more comfortable for me just to to look about my people, to look about those close to me. It's like I feel justified in doing that. But it's way harder to step beyond myself again. It's way harder to go beyond. And maybe for you, there's just old scars that are still tender and you're like, but I can't be open yet. Or maybe like me, this is confession time, maybe you're right in the middle of open, broken wounds right now. It's where I find myself. Maybe you're right in that place of pain where every day it's a making yourself go again every day. Maybe you're right in the middle of the pain and the mess and the brokenness and your wounds are raw and bleeding. And this is not the time to close yourself up, guys. It's the time to allow the healer of hearts in. And it's the time to look beyond yourself and for your healing to come. The question that I've heard Jesus whisper to me as I sit and ponder this thing of being open, broken hearted, he, I, asked, I heard him ask me the other day, Michelle, what is it you fear? What is it you fear about being open in this moment? So why don't you just close your eyes where you are right now? And if you're in the place of brokenheartedness or whether you're still got the scars of your broken heart. I can guarantee you there's not one of you in this room that haven't been brokenhearted. Would you come to Jesus and just say to him, Jesus, how do I be open in this? How do I continue to be compassionate? How do I reach out? How do I show mercy? How do I forgive? How do I show grace? How do I be generous? How do I go beyond myself? And his question to you is, what do you fear? What are you afraid of? Hmm. Lord, bring your freedom across this room. Lord, I, I break the power of fear. I break the power of fear of what ifs. The fears of, I'll be hurt again. There's no guarantee you won't. But the healer of hearts will always heal. Yeah. Mm. Come, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Can I ask you to be brave? And if you're feeling particularly brokenhearted this morning and it's like raw, as every eye is closed, would you just raise your hand so I could pray for you? I don't want to let this moment go. If that's you, thank you. There's more. Thank you, thank you. 
Lord Jesus, for these hearts, would you bring your healing, bam. But also, Lord, would you bring the courage to be open, broken-hearted. Yeah, more, Lord. More of your lovely, beautiful presence, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Mm. And just before we move on to sing our final song together, there's some of you who have experienced grief in the past two years. And because of COVID and loads of other things, there's just been, it's like your grieving process has been stilted. And I really want to pray for you. If that's you this morning, would you put up your hand so I can pray for you? Particularly around the area of grief. It might not be um, a person that you lost that died, but there's something around grieving, something where you lost someone. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. God, I thank you that, Jesus, you are close to the brokenhearted. You are... Comfort us when we grieve like only you can. So would you come and pour your your balm, your healing ointment? Would you come alongside Jesus? Because you know, you understand, you fully know what it is to lose those you love. And God, I pray for um, where there's been a blockage to healing and grieving because of the current circumstances. God, I pray for a release right now this morning in your name, Lord, a release. A release, Lord Jesus.